Hello and welcome back to our session, What Do You Do in Your Midnight Season? In this session, we are going to talk about praying and praising in your midnight season. Our first session, we talked about preparing just before your midnight season. But when you're in the midnight season, what do you do? Hello and welcome back to session two in our series, What Do You Do in Your Midnight Season? In our first session, we talked about preparing before midnight, and we talked about the children of Israel, how they were instructed by Moses to prepare before midnight so that when midnight came, they were ready to leave. Well, what if you are right in the middle of a midnight season of your life? Hello, I'm Pastor Linda Jones of Linda P. Jones Ministries and Women of Worth Ministries. And my mission is to equip women so that they become healed and restored and equipped, ready to live out their faith in authentic and practical ways through the various resources that we provide. This is our teaching session two on what do you do in your midnight season? And this one, as I said, is entitled Pray and Praise in Your Midnight Apostle Paul led a very eventful life. He never, it was never a dull moment. Acts chapter 16, 14 to 18, on one of his missionary journeys, he ends up in Philippi. In Philippi, he meets Lydia, a businesswoman, the seller of purple. So she was, um, she was wealthy. And through his ministry, her whole family got saved and baptized. As Paul and his companion Silas continued to minister in the city, they were followed by a young woman with a spirit of divination who literally, you know, she made them miserable. Every day she'd be constantly crying out after them. These are the servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. Now you'd think that that would be flattering because she was, in a sense, telling the truth. But Paul did not need a demon to testify to the works of God or to who he was. So finally he had enough of her and he cast out the demon from her. Well, this did not go over very well with her employers who made quite a profit from her, her divination gift. And the scripture says they turned on Paul and Silas. Acts sixteen nineteen to 24 tells us what happened. So but when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and says, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us being Romans to receive or to observe. Then the multitude rose up against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. Now, that was not all. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, that means they got a lot of licks, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. Very insightful um, passage of scripture. Notice they were not just in prison, but they were in the inner prison. Now that is as dark and damp and dismal and filthy as you can get. 
this was not the five-star hotel. I mean, our prisons today uh, are really five-star hotels compared to the prisons that were in the time of the New Testament area where, where Paul and Silas were. But you'd think that was enough. They fastened their feet with stocks. You know, the enemy is not satisfied to imprison you, but he wants to further limit your mobility in every way by keeping you bound. The truth is he's scared of you. The scripture tells us how beautiful are the feet of them that bring good news. And that is what the enemy sought to do with Paul and Silas. Restrain them for sharing the good news because he saw how through the message of the gospel, Paul families were turning to God and getting delivered. Now, Paul and Silas did not do anything wrong. They were just preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ as commanded by the Lord. And they ended up being beaten, imprisoned with their feet chained. You know, sometimes you're doing what is right and what is required of you. And you end up in a whole bunch of trouble. We think just because we are in God's will that we won't encounter difficulties. But that isn't true. Actually, we become a target for, for adversities. Anyhow, going back to Paul and Silas, the, the prison officers did not know that these men had a secret weapon for their freedom. It says, but at midnight, that is as dark as it could get, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Acts chapter 13, verses 25 to 26. Amazing. Praising and praying at midnight. They had just received a severe beating on their naked bodies, but they were singing while they were in a lot of pain. Though their situation may have appeared hopeless, they didn't complain and question God as to why he allowed them to go through this trying time. After all, I've been serving you. Instead, they chose to worship the Lord in the middle of their pain in the midnight season. When you do that, expect a suddenly move of God. Because in Acts chapter 16, verse 25 and 26, it says, Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. The Lord stepped in with an immediate intervention. Many of you are due for some immediate intervention, some suddenlies. But before I go further, there's a part of this verse we tend to overlook. In verse 25, the latter part, it says, and the prisoners were listening to them. There are some other prisoners who are in the same prison with you but for a different reason. They are prisoners of the enemy, not because they shared the gospel, because they have been imprisoned by sin, by fear, by addiction, by loneliness, anxiety, hopelessness. You know, we are in a world full of imprisoned people. And the interesting thing is that they are listening to how you respond at your midnight how do you and I handle our midnight season? Do we complain or accuse God of being unfaithful to us and blame him? I know sometimes I'm guilty. 
Also notice that this sudden divine intervention was not just for Paul and Silas. Verse 26 says, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed by none. You know, a while back, I was going through a very difficult season in my life. And this minister who did not know me or my situation at that time said to me, what you're going through is not for you. And I felt like saying, tell God to give it to whom it belongs to, because I do not want it. You know, sometimes God allows you to get into some prisons, not of your own doing, because you haven't done anything wrong. But because there are some prisoners you need to identify with so that they can get their freedom. Now, if you respond like Paul and Silas did in their midnight season, you remain faithful, you prayed and praised instead of moaned and complained, your deliverance will be swift and it will bring deliverance to other captives as well. Your prayers and your praise will summon angelic intervention for you as well as for those held captive by the enemy. Everyone's chains are going to be loosed in this midnight season. And somebody needs to know that what you are going through now is not because you did anything wrong. However, when the Lord brings you out, he's going to use your testimony to deliver others out of their prisons as well. It's not about you. This is for someone else. Just as the minister told me, I was quite annoyed because it was a really, really, really dark time in my life. And to tell me this is not about me, this is about, you know, and I thought, if you only know. You know, some prisons you may be facing maybe because of a poor decision or sin on your part. You're not excluded from this. But as you repent and turn away from it and begin to praise, you too will have a mighty deliverance. I say today to you that your prayers coupled with your praise will initiate a divine intervention on your behalf. It would shake and cause to crumble the very foundations of everything that has incarcerated you. Every door kept closed against you will open and where you were limited, you will move into new realms of freedom and expressions. And this time, no one will be able to stop you. But there's more. Not only that Paul, Silas and the other prisoners bound in the prison were freed, physically, but the jailer and his entire family were liberated spiritually because when he saw the dynamic move of God, he tried to kill himself because if a jailer or soldier lost a prisoner, their life was taken in place of the prisoner that got away. So he decided, I'm going to kill myself because this man is, you know, the angels have come and opened the prison doors and he's leaving. So for sure, the authorities are going to kill me. So he decided that he was going to kill himself first. But Paul stopped him. And as the story continues, it ends with the jailer saying, Sir, what must I do to be saved? And the answer was, and still is, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. And with that, the whole bunch got freed. You know, I think if Satan had any sense, he would leave us alone because when he tries to imprison us, 
as in Paul and Silas, just the two of them were imprisoned. All the prisoners got free. <laughs> and then the jailer and his whole household got free spiritually. They were baptized. Satan's bondage over their lives was broken and they got baptized. Once you start praying and praising at midnight, sudden liberty will come and others will get saved as well. You know, I've discovered that any song of worship or praise song that is worth singing at all has been birthed out of the composer's pain. It was his song in the midnight. Many of the old hymns we sing like, It is well with my soul. They have been birthed out of tragedy and suffering. We sing it lustily, but when that song was penned, was was at the darkest part of that man's life. He lost his entire family at sea. And, you know, there's a whole story about that. The psalmist said in Psalm 77, 6, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate with my heart and my spirit makes diligent search. Psalm 119, verse 62 says, At midnight, I will rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. Job, a man who knew untold suffering, said in chapter 35, verse 10 of the book of Job, But no one says, Where is God, my maker, who gives songs in the night? So what do you do at midnight? You pray and you praise your way out of it. Stop seeing your prison walls as impossibilities and look to God who can deliver you from your most trying situations as you praise him. Praise him today and praise him every day. And like I always say, you praise when you feel like it and you praise when you don't feel like it. Then stand back and see God move with miraculous intervention on your behalf and on others. Maybe it's family members of yours that are imprisoned. God's going to bring marvelous breakthrough. So at midnight, what do you do? You pray and you praise. Read chapter 16 of the book of Acts, and I'm sure there's more revelation in there. I'd love for you to continue with me to experience more of God's word in your life in practical and relevant ways. Are you ready to level up your personal and spiritual growth? Well, you can unlock your potential with our digital courses, workshops, coaching programs, etc. Still, you can fulfill your God-given purpose and achieve the success and satisfaction you desire and that God desires for you as well. You can contact me through my website, www.lindapjones.org, to learn more and also to sign up for my free weekly devotions, Words of Wisdom. So I'm Pastor Linda Jones, and I thank you for joining me in this teaching, What Do You Do in Your Midnight Season? And in this session, we learn that we are going to pray and praise our way through it and see God show up in a mighty and marvelous way. God bless you and join me for session two of what do you do in your midnight season? It's going to be exciting.